everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a chef for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey everybody, welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on this chilly November weekend. We have a great show today, although I'm, I'm a little unhappy because all of our guests are accomplished, brilliant entrepreneurs and, you know. They, and you're not. They rule the food scene and I'm just, you know, I'm just here for the free food. Which but there is none today. I see a oh, plate actually, there's over a there. little bit. Sorry, I hey, forgot. Hey, Matt. All right, baby. Sorry. All right. Well, we'll give Matt a special thing. Uh, okay. Let me just tell you who's going to be on the show today. Uh, of course, uh, Mitch Berliner from Central Farm Markets is going to talk Thanksgiving and let us know what they've got there. Our drink segment is going to be great because uh, uh, RAMW, the Restaurant Association's Cocktail Week, starts 11:29, and we're going to because be... after Thanksgiving, what does everybody need but a drink? Well, are you kidding? <laughs> what do you think I'll be doing on Thanksgiving? I don't with all know. those nieces and nephews running around. Okay. I'll be... I'm going to worse things. All anyway, right. tell so us So joining us is uh, Shane Mason, our buddy from Crazy Aunt Helen's mm-hmm. uh, down on um, uh, uh, Barracks Row, and Matt Cockerell, who's the executive chef and head of culinary operations for Hakan Ilhan at Brasserie Liberté and Ottoman Taverna and everywhere else. So, yeah, but uh, Matthew is at Brasserie Liberté. I know he is. He's the executive okay, chef there. can we get on with I know the introductions, him better than you. please? Uh, Sam Bernstein is the founder and CEO at Table 22. It's a great concept. They help uh, independent restaurants across the country build and launch uh, uh, and really expand and and scale up for subscription offerings, things like wine clubs, uh, private cocktail and cooking classes, and more. Sam will be joining us. Talk about right place, right time. And I say, why eat Soylent Green when there's Bowery Farming? <laughs> uh, somebody, are you guys old enough to have seen that movie? No, forget No, it. I don't know what you're talking Kay- about. Katie Sewell is the chief commercial officer at Bowery Farming, they build uh, indoor farms, smart farms, vertical near cities. Farms. Uh, they're vertical farms, mm-hmm. uh, and so they grow fresher, pesticide-free, protected produce. You're going to hear all about it, but it is really, it's not even 21st. It's 22nd it's century so cool. farming. I it's can't wait very to talk cool. To her. Mm-hmm. And Greg Reynolds is a taproom manager, and Sten Sellier, is it Sellier? Am I saying it right? Good. Sellier uh, is founder and president of Beltway Brewing. They're a local brewing company here in the D.C. area. We're going to be tasting and talking. Brewskis. Okay, wait. but first, hey Mitch. Um, so listen, the last couple of weeks we have been talking about Thanksgiving. This is our last show before Thanksgiving. Thank you. So let's talk about like what the deadlines are and how people can get everything that they need from their local Central Farm Market. Well, thank you. Um, we will be open, of course, next weekend. Mm-hmm. But in addition to next weekend, we also have our tenth annual. Um, special Thanksgiving Day market at Pike and Rose, right next to Bark Social, Mm -hmm. from 10 to 2, so you can pick up your turkeys, your pies, your cakes, but please do order them, and you can go to Mm centralfarmmarkets.com, take a look at our different vendors, we're going to have lots of great, we're going to have a full house, but you must get the pie and turkey orders in, some of the people are selling out now. So I tell everybody, and then also every year, part of our tradition is after the special Thanksgiving Day market, which is Tuesday, mm-hmm. November 23rd, 
3rd, 10 to 2. The following Saturday and Sunday, we give off right. to our vendors and farmers. I think that's fair. So it's very important for everybody to remember that it's uh, after Thanksgiving, it's a... The weekend is shot for the market. I would make work, personally. No, it's me. important. Everybody needs a break, especially this year because um, with all the disruptions and everything, I'm sure the farmers are really busy and the makers, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody's been very busy. I mean, we, we've had record crowds, mm-hmm. um, you know, simply because people aren't traveling. People have, you know, learned to stay home more. I really think it's because they listen to Foodie and the Beast and then they come to your markets. (laughs) Well, there's no question about that. You're fired, Mitch. Sorry. And I also want to, you know, give a warning, you know, Dave, when you talk about the, you know, drinking the nephews and and nieces and all, please don't be giving them cocktails. That's wrong for 10 year olds. Okay. Yes, it is wrong for 10 year olds. All right, Mitch, tell everybody, please. We know you have this special market. Let's know where we can find you online because you can place your orders and everybody should be ordering now. This is not the time. There's no room for procrastinators with Thanksgiving this year. So where can they place their orders? Go to central farm markets that's plural central farm markets.com mm-hmm. go look at our different uh folks um we've got uh, liberty we got meat crafters who's doing fully smoked turkeys this year mm-hmm. which is really a treat so you don't have to bother you know i've smoked a turkey okay and thanks so much course, mitch have a we'll really bye. wonderful gonna, thanksgiving yeah. i gotta cut you off go smoke a turkey bye-bye. yes go smoke a turkey bye best to you and deb okay all right so um okay Wait a minute. You know, Prohibition was a drag. Can we agree, even though none of us, including me, was here for that? Mm-hmm. But um, uh, it was, and it inhibited a lot of fun. So I the restaurant association. I think a lot of people had fun during Prohibition anyway. Everybody some was did. sneaking some, around. Some who weren't doing Reefer Madness mm-hmm. were doing it. But uh, uh, Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington schedules every year a cocktail week uh, around the time of the anniversary for the repeal of Prohibition. And on November 29th, it starts, mm-hmm. and we've got uh, Matt Cockerell uh, in from uh, Brasserie yeah, Liberté. How about we explain what's happening well, I'm with just DC saying, Cocktail Week so people understand what the step, deal is? I want Matt to step to the mic, okay. and you tell him about the week, and then we'll, he'll tell us okay, what well, he's doing. Okay, well, so the thing is is that it's not just cocktails. That's what I think is so interesting about mm. DC Cocktail Week. While restaurants all across the city are participating, they also like serve a little bite with it, which is why we have a chef in studio with us who is going to pour a cocktail, but also tell us about the bite. So, hi, how are you? Good, pleasure to be here. It's so nice to have you here. So tell us a little bit about your, before we get into cocktail week, tell us a little bit about your uh, menu and program at Brasserie Liberté and how it works in general with your cocktail program. Absolutely, so we are a classic French bistro. A lot of our food trends that way. A couple more modern dishes, but you know, a lot of them is, you know, very classic aspect, beef bourguignon, pate, escargot, things of that nature in our cocktail program follows that exact same kind of idea. Very classic cocktails, things that are relatable, things that people remember and enjoy uh, from things like French 75, what we're doing today, to Manhattan, Old Fashioned, Sazerac, things of that nature. And we can do more modern cocktails as well, too, um, like Last Word, things of that. But, um, you know, we like to keep it very classic brasserie, bistro style, you know, mm-hmm. very approachable. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense given what you're doing, right? And the the kind of feel of the restaurant. I'm sure your bar can handle, you know, 
an out there kind of cocktail. Absolutely. But, but, you know, more and more restaurants these days do have a cocktail menu, right? They don't just leave it up to the diner to be like, oh, I'll have whatever. And um, so did were you a part of crafting that? Uh, no, I wasn't. Um, the When we first opened, we did have a beverage manager who crafted uh, that cocktail list. Uh, like I said, it's very classic. And to your point, it is important to have that menu to help guide the guests from these classic cocktails, sparkling wine cocktails, mm-hmm. uh, things of that nature as well. So it's not somebody guest just comes in and is like, I don't know what I want. You can right. kind of guide them and push them towards the direction Matt, that will be best suited. Point of order. When somebody asks you that question, nobody will know the real answer. You say, yes, I crafted the cocktail menu. And who the hell's going to know? <laughs> i got to give credit where credit's due. Take the credit. Okay. So, all right. So you're doing a, what are you doing for cocktail week? So we're doing a French 75. Okay. French 75. What's in a French 75? So it's a classic cocktail when they base it on what they had around the time. So it's gin. Uh, lemon juice, simple syrup, and sparkling wine. Wow. Okay, so it is a French cocktail. Yes. So they use champagne, but you yeah. guys are using sparkling wine. Yeah. I mean, I'm just calling it like I see it. And then what are you going to use to pair with it? Uh, our beet carpaccio. Oh, okay. So it's so funny because I see this beautiful plate and your beet carpaccio. When I think but of I the- I see it over there. Yeah. So. Okay, relax. <laughs> when I think of DC Cocktail Week, I think of like a cocktail and like a bite. Mm-hmm. But this is a plate. Yeah, well, so my food is always, I believe, in being generous and good portion sizes. But also, especially with a cocktail, you know, it's not just a sip or two. You know, it's an experience with a cocktail. So You're it's important it. to experience that with a plate as well, too. I love it. Okay, great. While you put that cocktail together, we're going to go to our first guest. And we'll be back to you later in the show. Sam Bernstein. Hi, Hi Sam. Sam. How are you? Uh, Hi, Nikki. Hi, David. Uh, just again, so everybody remembers, Sam is the founder and CEO at Table 22, uh, and they work with independent restaurants across the country to help them really establish and stand up their businesses and grow subscription offerings, in particular like wine clubs or uh, private cooking classes, that sort of thing. So, Sam, let's get a little about your background, because that's not something that just anybody would come up with. Sure. Yeah. So um, thanks so much for having me. Uh, Table 22 is the second uh, software company that I had started and really has a unique origin story. Um, you know, the prior company had been uh, badly affected by the pandemic in the same way that so many restaurants had. And uh, fortunately, instead of, um, you know, throwing in the towel, uh, we actually pivoted the business model from something that was um, focused on uh, real estate online into something that was about helping restaurants kind of build the the next generation of, of tools that they were going to use to connect with guests and build sustainable businesses. And so we launched our first restaurant in May of uh, 2020, kind of right in the heart of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, we, today, we work with hundreds of restaurants across uh, more than 50 US cities, which is really exciting. And we're seeing some really amazing outcomes on everything from you know meal and cooking kits to wine clubs to baked goods boxes and butcher boxes, um, and really just trying to work with the best of you know any given communities, kind of food and beverage creators and operators and help them you know, grow their business with a predictable, you know, incremental, stable revenue stream, and then, you know, get closer to their community by having that kind of monthly touch point with the folks that are really excited about what they create and their brand and, you know, really build out that segment of kind of loyalists and regulars. And so well, let's it's, back uh, up, Sam, let's back up a ahead. little bit because, you know, uh, for the lay person, right? Sure. Um, 
you know, the pandemic happened and restaurants, you know, had to hustle and bustle to figure out how they were going to create revenue streams other than, you know, serving people in the restaurants, which they could no sure. longer do. And I think there's this real misperception out there that, you know, the restaurants were just able to, like, come up with kits and come up with this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So since you had this company and you were able sure. to provide this service, what were you providing to the restaurants? Do you know what I mean? Because not everybody knows how to do this. So what did yeah. you come with the concepts to the restaurants? Sure, you sure. You know what I mean? Like, how did, how yeah. did that part work? You know, one of the questions restaurants sometimes ask when we're kind of in a conversation about working with them is, you know, why shouldn't I try to do this on my own and, and skimp on the fees? I mean, good and, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You know, one, one of the components of that is obviously we built out a big kind of set of software tools that help them run it. And it's really turnkey. Another component of that is we operate logistics in 10 U.S. cities, but, you know, that's a newer thing. What you're really asking about is like helping them understand what to do. And I think over time, as we've had more partners and more data points, and we've seen successes and failures across different kinds of offerings and price points, what we've been able to really help our restaurants benefit from is learnings and data mm -hmm. and come to the table and say, you know, if you're this kind of restaurant with this kind of audience, with this kind of menu and this kind of price point, you know, here are really our recommendations for the best practices and here's how to structure the offerings and here's how to price them. Um, and really, I think that's helping the restaurants that work with us go out successfully on day one and avoid mistakes that they might otherwise make and not be on an island in that particular well, regard. How did you get that smart? Because your previous wait, wait, business- Wait, 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 wait. Um, we, we have to a take break? a break. <laughs> sure, So I'll you can't back. tell us why you're so smart. Um, <laughs> but when we come back, we'll dig in a little deeper. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. How did those kits come together mm -hmm. during the pandemic? We'll find out more. Just a sec. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Sam Bernstein of Table 22. Sam, your previous business was Loft Smart, which I assume was helping people, you know, in the in the rental, you know, the apartment rental biz or purchase yes. biz. But so how did you where did your knowledge about the restaurant industry come from that you could do this? Did you bring in partners? Do you I mean, yeah. How, so a, a couple of things. Um, one is, you know, I start from the premise of just being a total obsessive about food and restaurants. And, you know, the name Table 22 actually comes from the, the, the specific table that I used to sit at at my favorite restaurant in New York City, uh, Pasquale Jones. And I really became a regular there. And it's there that I kind of experienced how magical it could be to feel connected to a particular chef and their team and, you know, the wine director and all of the kind of amazing experiences. We were told your favorite that. restaurant was IHOP, but apparently. <laughs> so, so what we try to create on Table 22 is the ability for every subscriber to every restaurant to kind of have that magical connection. So I start from that premise of like, what's the desired consumer experience? That's the first component. But certainly I have some blind spots. And so what we've tried to do is work with a really strong team and have really great investors. And so as an example, our COO is an amazing woman named Margarita Cappy. She was the head of restaurant operations at Uber Eats. And so she brings a huge amount of knowledge about how to work with restaurants and how to build software for restaurants. Now, I think we're building, um, you know, a slightly more restaurant friendly model, um, but but still the kind of knowledge is there. And so well, try to work with folks well, like that. And then the last thing I'll say is just that um, on, on the kind of investor side, we've been fortunate to work with folks like some of the founders of Sweetgreen, David Barber from mm. Blue Hill Stone Barnes, and mm -hmm. really try to bring that that knowledge to the company through the folks that are. Well, we know in the sweet bean guys. They well, were, they I know, were but, ours. The, but the different thing is, is that not everybody is food tech savvy, right? Like, I mean, sure. food tech is the future, and it's you know all over restaurants, but not every uh, chef or restaurant tour is super savvy on that. 
component, sure. you know, so there is a there is a catch up on some of that. Catch up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the partners that you're working with here in D.C. Sure. Um, so we've been really fortunate to have a kind of deep bench of amazing partners in D.C., many of whom are seeing amazing success on the platform. Mm -hmm. The most notable is probably Rose's Luxury. Mm -hmm. um, and we've had an amazing time working with Rose's. They have a dinner kit subscription on Table 22 mm -hmm. for every month, you know, delivered within 30 miles of Rose's, including into Maryland and Virginia. They're bringing these incredible kind of cook and finish at home kits into the homes of subscribers. And then they have a wine club uh, as well. That's been an amazingly so wait, successful model. I just want to clarify for our listeners, are these things that they that the consumer orders off of your platform or is this things that they can order off of the restaurant's platform? Yeah, so so Roses is leveraging our platform and the consumer is coming to table22.com slash Roses Luxury. Okay. Um, and they're ordering through, uh, through our site and then we're providing all of the kind of order management and fulfillment tools to Roses to, to turn those kits around. Well, let's talk a little bit about the sell because you've got restaurants... First of all, do you pick your targets and that's where, and you know, whoever does the selling calls and says, hi, I'm blank from table 22, or are you, you are, know, it, it's, it, more it's of a mixed inbound? bag and we're, we've certainly got a list of restaurants that we'd be really excited to work with. And, you know, I should say it's not just restaurants, it's bakeries and breweries and cocktail bars and really just great food and bed businesses broadly. Mm -hmm. But yes, we've got a target list. There are a bunch of folks that we think would do really well based on our learnings. We're reaching out to them. Um, we also try to work with local experts in local markets. And so, you know, whether it's a food PR firm or someone that's just kind of really connected in a particular city, try to kind of harvest some knowledge about who are the real players in town. And then, you know, what are the best ways to work with them and get in touch with them? And then I should also say as a third thing that, you know, referrals are just a huge part of our business. And so 35% of our, you know, new partners come from referrals made by existing partners. And that's just really. Well, and I really so. do think that while this, while this was a necessary during the pandemic, what a lot of people realized is that it's a another revenue stream that they can incorporate going forward. Like they don't have to let it yeah. go, provided they have the space and the the yeah. capabilities, staffing, et cetera, to handle it. Yeah, absolutely right. And um, you know, we were uh, obviously it was a big wait and see moment. Like, would you know, would this be a durable model for restaurants? And you know, we've been really excited. Ninety five percent of our partners have stayed on through the reopenings and have continued to fulfill subscriptions and grow their programs. And um, we're seeing a lot of demand on the consumer side as well. Well, that's, so that's, that's really the key because if the consumer hadn't wanted it, you'd be DOA. But what happened with the uh, the pandemic is we, we it sort of opened up a new world for everybody, and we're like. Hey man, this is convenient and it's easy, and, and the it's food, fun. The food shows up and it's still good. And yeah. why the hell would I want to go out when I can stay in and have somebody drop it at the door? Absolutely right. And cooking with ingredients curated by your favorite chefs sure. is like, right. you know, a really or awesome or wines experience. or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely, totally. All right. Totally so right. listen, I really appreciate your time this morning. Tell um, everybody where they can find you online and on Instagram. Yeah, we're just uh, table22.com, uh, mm -hmm. and then our Instagram is at our table 22 Excellent. Uh, and so great check us out okay thanks so much thanks for joining us this morning okay we're back to dc cocktail week um we will discuss the drink that was poured for us because it's delicious yeah, it i really feel like good. i would never think of this cocktail as like a morning cocktail but i it's a total morning cocktail it's really yummy
That's uh, why, because you drink it in the morning, you don't wake up till the next morning, <laughs> do you, Matt? Anyway, subtle but true. Right. Shane is joining us from Crazy and Helen. He came on right when the Can restaurant. I, may I just say you you're back on the show for the second time? So when no, I no, said no. he's been here before that. Well, he I know, but when I Jamie. said come back, Shane, yes, you did you uh, you actually? Did invite me back. Right. And, and I not was only that, I think really he's excited. at every time he sees you, he says, come back. I do. He I does. Do. But it's that's really all right. It's okay. Um, I will keep saying. coming You're back. You're stupid. <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? It's stupid. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, uh, all right. So, listen, we're so thrilled that you're here. Crazy and Helen's is an amazing place up on Capitol Hill. Um, it's a lot of fun. And you're doing so many great things. Thank you. Tell us about your cocktail program. Yeah, sure. So uh, when we were opening, I reached out to Jojo Valenzuela. Mm -hmm, Who we love. I love him so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, the only two things that I asked for were to for him to use inspiration from Grandma's Candy Bowl. You know, the hard candies you get when you go into Grandma's house. Uh Uh, And... It was like a drug deal. I went over to his My spot grandma passed away. And dropped Thanks off. a lot, Shane. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You need a drink. You're she, also you should be 140. You're also like, I know. I was like, how old are you? Let's Shut get up. him a drink. And uh, and the other thing was I wanted to only really feature local spirits. Mm-hmm. So all Which of our, is actually pretty easy to do these days. So yeah. easy. Amazing I mean, quality. we have a local brewery in here. Hello. Exactly. Yeah. I know. I'm going to I'm gonna chat with this man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so those are the only two things we a- I asked for, and he really delivered. So when it comes to cocktail week, yes. did he come up with a specific cocktail and pairing for this, or did he just take something from the uh, menu already? No, I, I went ahead and chose something from the menu since we've only opened in July. Right. Uh, and I felt like um, it's all new. Right. <laughs> so we wanted to feature filibuster Um so we put on our our Rudy old fashioned. Wait, I'm so confused. Yeah. So it's called the Rudy old fashioned. It's called the Rudy old fashioned. Uh huh. Because it's just gonna get you wasted. <laughs> well, it's our take on an old fashioned. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. And JoJo got inspiration from the little root beer candies. Sure. Yeah. So um, it's made with uh, a filibuster bourbon, mm-hmm. um, uh, cane potato, uh, sweet potato syrup. Sure. And, uh, uh, um, uh, and, and some bitters. Okay. And then what are you pairing with it? We're going to do a catfish bites Ooh, with uh, house made coleslaw. Oh God. Yeah. 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 Sounds good. You know, we're American comfort food. So we want to give are. you a hug and, uh, we will be sure to uh, take your hand and escort you to your Uber so if you need it. So is Crazy Aunt Helen out there now with a line in the uh, canal looking for the catfish? Uh, my Aunt Helen? Yeah. Oh, no. She's she's gone to glory, as my family would say. She's fishing for catfish in heaven? She is above, and I've invited her in the space. Every once in a while, the lights twinkle, and, and I think, Shane. Helen is here. Right? Like that? All, All right. right. Well, cool. go pour that drink, and sure. when you come back, we'll talk more about what's happening for you and the rest of All right. Okay. Sounds good. So at the... Top of the show, I mentioned the brilliant entrepreneurs we were going to have on today, and not the least among them is Katie uh, Sewell. She's the chief commercial officer at Bowery Farming, um, uh, which is a really a 22nd century uh, take on, on, on farming the purest and the bestest and the most delicious in an urban environment. Is that a good way of putting it, Katie? 
driven by an operating system that is from Star Wars. Okay. Um, but How I do want to say, How wait, wait. just like Katie talk but instead wait, of talking? No, no, I got to give Katie her props because okay. some people come up with this stuff and, you know, they build it up. She's a Starbucks senior liter- leadership veteran. She has a background in in 21st and 22nd century delivery mm-hmm. of of foodstuffs to folks. So she got a leg up on the rest of the world that wanted to come up with a great new way of farming. So Katie, give us a little bit on your background because that's pretty impressive credential. Absolutely. It's great to be here, David and Nikki, and it's tough to follow cocktails, um, but super excited to be here. So as you mentioned, prior to joining Bowery, I was at Starbucks for almost 14 years in a variety of leadership roles in product, marketing, operations, and brand. And actually, I came to Bowery about two and a half years ago, and my founder, Irving Fain, who is the real um, thought leader behind the idea and concept of Bowery, was someone who I was immediately drawn to for kind of the vision and audacity he had to reimagine what farming could look like. You know, as you think about the food system today, it sits at the intersection of some of the most important challenges and opportunities we have to deal with, whether that's climate change, food safety, equity, access. access. Right. And we are looking to do things differently at Bowery. Well, so let's talk about that. I mean, that's why this is such a keen interest to me. I mean, we bring lots of people on the show um, to talk about, you know, uh, disruption in the food space and what that's going to look like going forward. Um, There is so much incredible food out there, but there is an entire segment of our country that includes children and seniors that do not have access to fresh, nutritious food. And, And, you know, distribution is a huge part of that problem. But- Part of it is is the growing issue and how it's grown and, and what's happening there. So tell us about what Bowery is doing and how you're doing it. Absolutely. So at Bowery, we are essentially building smart indoor vertical farms close to the communities we serve. Mm-hmm. We are taking non-arable land. So typically we will take an old warehouse that maybe has historically played a vital role in the community with manufacturing, but is sitting idle today. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a farm just outside of Baltimore in Nottingham, Maryland, where we took an old uh, warehouse and repurposed it into these indoor vertical farms. We are controlling, we are completely indoors. We are controlling the entirety of the growing process. And just to visualize what that looks like, We are stacking all of our crops from floor to ceiling. Uh, We're using LED lighting that mimics the spectrum of the sun. And then we have our Bowery operating system, which you mentioned earlier on, that is controlling every single aspect of the growing process of the plants Mm -hmm. and managing all of the workflow in the farm. So it's this comprehensive, integrated operating system that includes sensors, vision systems, robotics, automation, and then we capture that data and learn what the plants need to unlock the yield quality and flavor profile that we're looking for, whether that's more LED lighting for a longer period of time, more intensity, the water nutrient level, uh, or the airflow that's going through the farm. It's quite extraordinary in terms of how we're leveraging technology Mm -hmm. uh, to grow these amazing crops indoors 365 days a year. 
So it's all hydroponic? It's hydroponic. Okay. Yep. And then when we talk about the crops, what crops are we specifically talking about at this moment? Because I assume there's lots of room in there for growth. Absolutely. So right now, in terms of commercial products available, we have about 13 different SKUs, and it's a variety of lettuces and herbs. Mm -hmm. We also have an R&D facility in Kearney, New Jersey, along with our other commercial farm that serves the tri-state area. And there, we are driving uh, innovation to get beyond leafy greens. So in our R&D facility, you would see strawberries growing, you would see other vine crops, um, soft fruits. So our vision really is to help transform a meaningful portion of the produce category. But right now in the marketplace, it's lettuces and herbs. All right. You need to take a break or no? Are we good? We don't need to take a break. All right, good. Because Go. the first question that occurs to me, because this is so genius, what about the carbon footprint? Are we yeah. are we doing good things with the vegetables, but but eating up a lot of energy, energy? and all yeah. of that? Hmm. And can so, I get a tan from your lights? That's the other question I have. Yeah, no, it's a great question, and and let me talk about a couple things in terms of the growing system where we think. Um, we're improving things from a sustainability standpoint. Our goal really is to drive access, big addressable markets to fresh, safe produce. I think we have real advantages in terms of land use and water. Uh, as I mentioned, we convert non-arable land into these highly productive farms, but we're also more productive on that in that farm. So we grow about 100 times um, more produce on the same square foot of land than what you might traditionally get out of farming. Right. We are growing 365 days a year, so we're seasonally agnostic. And because we're growing up and not out, we are leveraging every square foot of land for production and processing we are also using less water. Um, if just kind of for a point of ref reference, agriculture consumes about 70% of the world's freshwater supply. Mm. So we are really focused on minimizing the amount of water that we use. And we're about 90%, we use about 90% less water than traditional wow. agriculture to grow the same that's, amount of crops. That's California's whole problem. So Katie, we, are, yeah. we do have to take a quick break. Okay. So just give okay. us a sec. Um, this is fascinating. And I think a lot of people want to know how they can either be a part of it or support it or how it grows. Yeah. So um, give us a sec. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a minute. Okay, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And uh, Katie, I want to get back to the conversation about, um, I just heard a report on CNN this morning that how, you know, rampant inflation and all that is not only, you know, there are 40 million people that are hungry in this country anyways, and the 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 spike in pricing on foodstuffs and all of that is affecting a lot more people and creating more food insecurity. You're partnered. Well, you you have customers at uh, 850 grocery stores in the Northeast and Mid Atlantic regions uh, alone. Are are they involved in 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 any kind of uh, program to provide you know to help folks who who can't afford to go to Whole Foods or can't afford even to go to Giant or Safeway to get fresh, good, wholesome food? Uh, David, the inflationary pressures that you referenced and talked about are very real. I think a couple of advantages that we have is we are local and regionally grown and we are vertically integrated. So our system um, is very close to the point of uh, consumption and it is simplified, right? Because we're vertically owned, we take control of the plant from seed 
uh, all the way through to distribution. So it's very simplified and efficient in terms of what we're doing. In terms of what's going on at the macro level uh, with regard to access to food, it's something very real and something that we're deeply committed to. I think one of the things that we are very focused on is working with a breadth of retailers, right? When you talk about the 850 doors we're in, that's not just whole foods and specialty. We're very proud to be there but it also includes a much wider net of retailers like the Albertsons, like the Weiss, like the Walmart. So opening up lots of distribution points to our product to keep driving access is critically important to the work we're doing. Well, Katie, a let me ask you, if, if yeah. I could just ask a question. So yeah. um, I guess my question is, is about, so you have these products and they're, you know, you're selling them in stores and stuff like that, but what's yeah. the... What's the sort of response from the farmers? What's the response from those who are on the ground farming? Big ag is its own issue. And then you have the little, you know, like our farmers markets, like you heard Mitch earlier yeah. in the show. So what, how, how does this get integrated? Like big ag does need a change, obviously, yeah. but how do we work with the little local farmers as well? How does that happen? And how do you integrate all of that? Absolutely. I think we, we believe there's huge opportunity for partnership. Uh, it's going to take a lot of different types of innovation to continue to strengthen and fortify our local regional food system. And I think the role that Bowery and controlled environment agriculture in general can play is to really grow food at scale in an efficient and cost-effective way. And I think then there is opportunity absolutely for the local growers and regenerative growers to step in and play that role on probably um, a smaller scale, but mm -hmm. equally important scale. So I see Bowery's contribution to the local regional food system mm -hmm. around scale and access. Okay, I have one more question and then my husband yeah. has a question too. I do. So I know, but mine's more important. No, you talked about going into areas, you know, like these warehouses that are no longer functioning and using those areas. Is there employment that goes hand in hand with that? Are you training people who used to work in these, you know, factories and whatever? Are we training a new group of people to work this way? Absolutely. I think one of the things that we are uh, very excited about from a Bowery perspective is we can employ anyone to work at Bowery, meaning that you don't need any agricultural experience to come in and start learning the job mm -hmm. and the function at Bowery. There's great opportunity for career development uh, and to build and grow um, as individuals at Bowery. So we think that we are creating these 365 days a year green jobs mm -hmm. um, and recruiting from the communities in which we operate in, right? The, that is who right. is well, um, building the Bowery brand with us. You know, I was upset with Nikki for jumping in with her question, but it's the perfect segue to, to mine. And that is, you know, one of the problems, take West Virginia. Everybody wants coal to go away except the West Virginians because that's what they know and that's how they, you know, to a lesser degree these days, how they stay alive. Have you thought about, you know, dropping one of your, uh, your you know, picking up a warehouse in West Virginia because it's job training and it's health and it's all that God knows what they're eating in the public schools there, you know, so. Absolutely. I mean, I think, David, that is very complementary to our approach of where we're opening up farms. So if you look ahead in early 2022, 
uh, we are opening our next commercial farm in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. in the Lehigh Valley, right? Sure. This is a region that has historically relied on manufacturing and it's transitioning into a distribution hub, a tech hub. Uh, it's another example where we took a brownfield site and have converted it and will convert it into a productive farm. So we are definitely looking at geographical right. locations. Well, we're familiar with Scranton, too, which is old coal country, and uh, they could use you there. So, Katie, listen, I mean, obviously this interview could go on for a really long time. It's fascinating. Please tell everybody where they can find Bowery so they can find out more information, where they can find you online, please. Absolutely. So you can find us in a variety of retailers from Whole Foods to Safeway, Acme to Weiss to Giant. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have an e-commerce presence as well through Amazon Fresh. And I would be remiss if I didn't call out a local partner we're working with, DC Central Kitchen. And they are actually offering Bowery product um, in their Healthy Corners program. So in corner stores in those communities. We do a lot of work um, with them. That need more access to fresh food and uh, protein. Excellent. Katie, thank you so much for your time this morning. It's very exciting. We can't, we hope that you'll come back. Yeah, we're going to have you back to talk about the operating system because right. that's got to be unbelievable. Okay. So thank you we so much. We love the opportunity. Thank you. Happy Thanks. Thanksgiving. Thanks. You too. All right, Matthew, come back up. She's something. Chef Matt at uh, Brasserie Liberté. So, you know, you have this great cocktail program. You're participating participating in Restaurant Week's uh, DC Cocktail Week uh, that starts after Thanksgiving. Um, let's talk a little bit um, as we go into the season about what your menu looks like. How often does it change? What's happening, etc. So we do have a few season offerings, but very intentionally, we keep most of our menu the same year round mm-hmm. um, because we are a brasserie bistro concept. We want someone that comes today, tomorrow, a week, a month, a year from now to be able to enjoy that same dish that they did before. Mm-hmm. So while we do definitely offer seasonal uh, offerings, um, majority of our menu stays the same. And like I said, that's very intentional. Okay. You know, we believe in consistency and execution and the quality of the food and, and doing that at a very high level. Okay. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense and that, that probably really helps keep it really consistent and keeps the level really good. Um, is there anything that you want to share that's going to be happening like sort of for Thanksgiving or during the holidays at the restaurant? Yeah, so we're, we're doing a, we're going to offer a traditional Thanksgiving meal, you know, mm-hmm. along with uh, part of our menu. We do a prefix and offer, you know, all the good things you want, turkey, gravy, mm-hmm. mashed potatoes, Brussels sprouts, stuffing, all this stuff. Then as we get into the holidays, um, Christmas is my favorite time of year and I love decorating. So the it's going to be a Christmas Wonderland inside the restaurant. Okay. I do all myself. I love it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, then right. we'll look forward to that. <laughs> okay. okay, great. All right. And now we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, mm-hmm. and that is beer. Okay. God bless beer. Uh, in the studio with us is Greg Reynolds. He's a taproom manager at Beltway Brewing. And on the line with us is Sten. That's Sten with a T or Sven with a T. No, it's just Sten. No, he spells it Sven with a T, right, okay. Sten? It's just Sten. I know. But you can think of it your way if you want. All right. He's being a jerk, Sten. No, I'm not. That's what what Greg told me. I know. Oh, yeah, sure. Throw Greg under the bus. Thank you for throwing me. There we go. There we go. Well, you won't be taproom manager very long, but it's Beltway Brewing. It's Beltway Brewing. And basically, these two guys were originally home brewers. Uh, They they did not know each other at that point, and they've created a terrific brew. Uh, Sten, why don't you tell us about kind of the, the genesis of this whole business? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, Beltway opened in 2013. My, my original idea was to start my own beer brand back then and to do that by uh, bringing my recipe to a local producer, a local brewery to scale it up for me. And when I couldn't uh, find anyone to help me with that because of the boom going on in 2011, 2012, um, I decided to change the model to actually create a brewery uh, that was a host for contract brewing a host for producing beers for other startup and growing brands well that's really interesting because that's one of the things i was going to ask like given the time frame where you started this process there is an explosion of local breweries local distilleries here in dc so how did you find your place in the market uh, it was actually pretty easy at that point. So the same people I was calling to say, hey, could you make beer for me if I give you a recipe because I want to start a brand? I just called those people back and said, hey, I'm actually going to build a brewery. Own. That's, okay. Yeah, that's a host to help people. Right, he's an incubator, and, which yeah, is great. And they all said, great, I've got leads for you. Or great, you can help us scale up because we're full. Or, um, or great, you it, can get these people to stop calling me. Right? So that's then, exactly right. Yeah. So then, So now... Tell us about the brewery. What is what is it like there? Is it a place that people can go to? How do you produce all these beers? How does it come to fruition? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, first of all, we're, we're a 30-barrel brew house with uh, seven fermenters in, in our Sterling Brewery. It's a production facility. We're about the size of uh, a Port City or Lost Rhino, uh, mm-hmm. some local breweries, D.C. Brown. Um, but, uh, yeah, we also have a tap room up front where, where people can come in and enjoy, uh, enjoy beers that are freshly made, uh, on draft right there. Okay. Well, that's a perfect segue to Greg. Yeah. So Greg, Greg Reynolds manages the tap room and he's become one of my favorite people by opening because I'm pouring this and pouring the brewskis. So what are we drinking here? Well, 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 one of the neat things about our tap room, just to follow up on Sten's point is because mm-hmm. we do contract brewing as of, we always can offer a variety that includes samples from some of our contract clients. Right. So right well, that's now, what I was going to ask. So, so today we have today in the tap room there are 19 beers on tap. Okay. 14 of those beers are Beltway beers. The other five beers are our clients. Huh. So our terms that's of great. business with our clients basically says after we make you a beer, we get to keep a couple kegs. Of course. So we can let our local customers. Uh, get a chance to sample a beer from New Jersey without driving to New Jersey, a beer from Charlottesville without driving to Charlottesville. Well, we have so to on. take a break. Um, but I don't no, take I think. A break. Well, I know, but but I think that makes it. May, it's like marketing dollars for them, right? It gets them in front of a new exactly. market. Exactly, it gets them in front of a bigger audience, and it allows us within the tap room to give our our local customers uh, more variety, more opportunity to sample new beers. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the beers that you're actually producing for yourselves, as well as these other beers. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's um, it's a boozy Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. It's the best kind. <laughs> All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, and I do want to tell you that your curly blonde hair today looks better than Robert Plant's ever did. Oh, I'm just I, letting you know. I think that's a thank you. And, and he was, Who's Robert Plant? <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Whippersnapper. <laughs> um, um, anyway, Robert Plant is one of the guys that works growing plants vertically. Oh, right. That's who it is. Oh my God, Dope. this beer is thumb. like a piece of meat. Is it? Oh, Let me tell you, is God. it Guinnessy? Well, here's my question for you, Greg. Sure. And that is sourcing. In other words, somebody gives you their their recipe for their beer. Do they say, and I want the hops to come from Bob Smith's farm in Tuscaloosa? Yeah, or, how, I mean, how, how exacting is the creation of beer for other people? Stan, you want to take that one? That's probably better. 
for you? Yeah, sure. Um, it's pretty exacting. Um, most of the time they are handing us a recipe that they've either brewed before or that they want it done to spec. And that's really what, um, what, what we're proud of is that we can carry that out. We can execute that recipe uh, as good or better than than they so are expecting. Do you assist them in getting the product, or are they do they get the product? How how uh, how couture is it? Um, we do both. You know, sometimes um, or most of the time, we'll source uh, the ingredients that they specify. But mm-hmm. sometimes they do have uh, uh, resources for special hops, special fruits, or additives or, or um, adjuncts that they want to put in the beer, and they can drop ship those to us, and we will include it. Now, you know, we got to get Bowery Farming to dedicate a special warehouse to growing your hops. Yes, that's um, a good idea. Um, uh, so talk about what you poured for us. Okay, so um, this is an imperial stout. We do an imperial stout release every year right about this time of year. The name of the stout is Black Snake, and we generally release it on Black Friday. Interesting timing. Right. What you've got here is actually a sample that I drew from the fermentation tank yesterday. So okay. it's not even a finished product. We're giving you kind of a sneak preview. Mm-hmm. Although we brew this beer every year, each year we change the wood conditioning that we do with the beer. So some years it's barrel-aged, some years it's wood-infused, and so on. So this year, um, sugar maple and cypress woods are soaking in this beer to add and enhance the flavor profile. So Interesting. hopefully you're going to pick up notes of maple syrup and vanilla cake, etc. It's about the consistency of maple no, syrup. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's syrupy. Yeah. I mean, but not in a it's negative a, way. It's a strong beer. It's about 10.5% it's ABV. Guinness-y. It's you know, imperial it's kind stout. Of the same. Yeah, but I know, don't say Guinness. Well, I'm saying Guinness. A, Guinness it looks like Guinness because of the color. Guinness right. But it doesn't have it's, the texture or taste right. of because Guinness. Guinness. Because Guinness is actually Nikki, you get five stars for calling that out. Good job. Well, because I think there's a misnomer. She's not a beer drinker. To be fair, we I'm not a big beer drinker, but we've had a lot of beer people on the show over the years. And Guinness at Guinness has actually been in studio multiple times, and they do not like to be known as a heavy They're not a heavy beer. beer. It's a very exactly. light body It's beer. a very light beer, the, but it's it's a misconception because of the pers- color. Well, it's, a, exactly it's also right. that because it's generally served on nitro, and the foaminess creates the top, a perception right. to the customer that I'm drinking that's why a heavy they do body it, beer. That's really, in reality, they're not. Right. It has the same, and and I I wasn't allowed to finish because my wife is you know I'm just the beast. I understand. But but the thing is, when you're drinking Guinness, it looks like you're drinking a glass of whipped meat, but it's very light. Yes, if you let all that settle out and hold it up to the light, right. you realize exactly. how body it is. Thank so, you. So um, as you guys curate at the tap room, um, how do you go about doing that? Like, uh, how many beers are you? Put, right now, you have 14 beers that are yours. Right. So we so we have. Uh, Seven beers that are, if I would call them, core Beltway products. They're okay. available and then year-round, mm-hmm. and those seven beers are packaged and distributed. You're going to find them in all your local grocery and retail locations, et cetera. That's those amazing. seven beers are year-round. Mm-hmm. But we complement that with seasonal releases, Black Snake being one. The one mm-hmm. I'm going to show you in a few minutes or let you taste in a couple well, minutes. Well, you better pour it now because you've got like a minute left. Okay. Are you guys um, in Dawson's <laughs> market? Do you know? Not that I know so, of. Okay, um, and and um, so we complement that with seasonal releases and also with what we call limited releases, meaning things we make that you can only get in the tap room. You mm-hmm. can't get them at your retailer because we make them in small batches and you have to come on site. To While you're okay. pouring that, is there a minimum – a batch for if I come to you and say I want to produce this like beer. fruit punch. <laughs> <laughs> so um, such an unsophisticated beer drinker's response. Yes. Yeah. So um, there are. So if you're if you're doing a contract beer, 
um, then I think generally speaking, we're looking for 30 barrel type batches. But the other thing that we do, which is kind of neat going into the holiday season, is we do something called private labeling. Mm-hmm. Meaning if somebody wants to have a packaged beer, a canned beer with their own personal label on it, mm-hmm. we can do that in 10 case increments. Cool. So really? You come in and great s- gift and for the holidays. It's great. What does that cost? How'd you like to have a unique, how'd you like to have your own unique Christmas present? That it's a great is, gift uh, for the what holidays. What does it cost the and holidays. what's the timeline on it? Right. You could do 10 cases of our Blonde Ale for 500 bucks uh, with a custom label on it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Right. And wait, wait, and how much in advance do you have to order? Now. Order now. Yeah, you, labeling is going to be the tricky Operators part. Operators are so, online. Yeah, order now. Order now. To <laughs> you get just, you just gave me my Bel- holiday. Okay. You just gave com. me my, All right. well, my listen, company's holiday gift. Up. I'm just okay. going to tell everybody there is a beer pong event on Wednesday, November 17th. You guys do events out there, and you should go check out the beers. Just please give us your uh, website and Bel- Instagram. Beltway Bruco. Uh-huh. On all, and uh, dot com on uh, that's the handle on Instagram and Beltway, beltwaybruco.com slash Shane, events will take you to the calendar. Come back to the mic. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Come back, Shane. Shane um, tell us quickly because I want to know more about your brunches because I know you're launching some amazing things. Let's hear it. Yeah. So um, we're alternating every other Sunday. Uh, we do one that is a uh, disco funk brunch mm-hmm. with DJ Phil Reese. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spends seven. He spins. 70s and 80s uh, disco and funk. Do you mm-hmm. mean me to come and do some karaoke? Yes. <laughs> I will give you a microphone and do we will make it live. Do drag queen karaoke? Can I do Well, there is a drag there queen that know, day. I know there is. Tara Hope. I know there is. She's there. I just want to do regular I'm karaoke. She's there. I'm the that like, everybody's sort of co-opted the drag queen. I mean, I'm happy for the drag queens because yeah. they're making cash, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, great. Yeah. She's making but money. But it has got a little bit co-opted. Yeah, so Tara kind of comes in and does hosting. Mm-hmm. Last Sunday was the first time we did it, and... Everyone wanted a number, and she was like, no, I couldn't. I mean, no, I no, couldn't. No, no, no. So we twisted her arm, and she did a couple. Uh, <laughs> so she'll probably do that a little bit more. And uh-huh. then um, tomorrow, we have our first gospel brunch. Wow. Uh, you know, I'm the son of a preacher, so uh, a gay son of a preacher. So, uh, you know, I wanted to get all of me in there. I got a little disco, funk, you are a drag queens, of and Jesus. Oh, you are. <laughs> I love that. Okay, great. And uh, just lastly, so for... Uh, Cocktail week. I just want to, if both of you will come up to the mic for just a sec. Um, you know, participating in the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington, uh, you know, as restaurateurs or chefs or people in the industry, you know what they are. But a lot of lay people, you know, people just love the restaurants. Is there a real benefit to you for participating in the Restaurant Association's uh, concepts? Absolutely. I think all of them all year round are very beneficial. I mean, not even just for marketing purposes, but to, you know, it just, it reaches more people. And the more people that we can get into any of our restaurants, the better it is for all of us. Excellent. Shane? Yeah, yeah, I agree with Chef. You know, the the thing is, it's like, uh, especially in today's climate, any opportunity, one, for people to have some fun, Mm -hmm. uh, two, to um, promote our own restaurants, and three, for for me in general, I want to promote the local uh, scene in the local distilleries that are here in our city. Okay, great. Give me uh, Crazy Ann Helens on Instagram. Uh, at Crazy Ann Helens. Excellent. And La Brasserie? At Liberté DC. Excellent. All right. Uh, we want to thank all of our guests for joining us in studio today. Uh, such an amazing show. Such delicious things. You've learned a lot. Of course, you can find this all on the list, are you on it, dot com. You're going to follow me at NYCCI, N-E-L-L-I-S. 
on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't forget Industry Night on Real Fun DC. Every Tuesdays at 7 p.m., we launch a new show. And this is our last show before Thanksgiving. So gobble, gobble Praise to all Lord. of you out there. Be safe. Be healthy. I just have one Shush. question no, before no, no. you finish. Is your hand on my shoulder so I won't talk? Yes. That's and uh, everybody, <laughs> be careful out there. Get your booster, please. And uh, have a safe and happy Thanksgiving with you and your family this year. <laughs> Oh, and have lots of deliciousness. A delicious week.